This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. Uh, So now that kickoff is roughly a month away, most conferences have announced their plans for this weird modified season of college football we've got uh, looking forward to for 2020. We got some more concrete news to discuss on today's episode. Uh, We'll get to all of this in turn, but Sunbelt is sticking to conference play as scheduled and allowing schools to determine their own out-of-conference games if necessary. Uh, Football fall camp has started. We've got all sorts of programs across the country dealing with COVID-19 challenges in their own way. And finally, before we get into this week's listener questions, we have some stadium naming news to discuss. But uh, first off, gentlemen, let's talk Sunbelt play. Panthers 2020 conference schedule remains unchanged. And as of recording this podcast, all out-of-conference games seem to be a go, except for Alabama, who pulled out when the SEC announced their season modifications. Yeah, we just got the Sunbelt news down the pipe yesterday as of recording. Uh, it is eight conference games as of now scheduling of those said games is sticking as they already were scheduled pre pandemic and every school can have up to four out of conference games. So currently that leaves Georgia state with three out of conference games still on the schedule for a grand total of 11 games currently scheduled for 2020. I guess we can just start with just the Sun Belt plan. I guess not just because I was interested in being right, um, but I had been talking about conference only for a while, basically since this has gone on. And I guess my thought is I've looked at the rollout of the schedules for like the big 10 is doing conference only and the sec. They haven't announced their schedule yet, but they are also doing conference only in 10 games. And it seems like there's a lot of drive to make it, different and exciting and unique for what it is and stuff like Ohio state, Michigan has moved to the middle of the year. And I think it's coinciding with a, a world series game on Fox. So that'll be ratings heaven for all involved. But I guess as far as somebody was concerned, I'm sure there were some wanting to keep commitments to out of conference teams and there's some home and homes at play. So they didn't want to just say to teams, you know, screw what you already committed to. We're doing conference only, but I don't know. I think it's a missed opportunity. I think that the conference only expanded schedule, maybe 10 games and play some more teams in the conference and have it about that. I think that that's the way I would have wanted to go if it was my choice. And obviously it isn't. I'm here. No, it's interesting. You bring that up because somebody, I forget where I saw this online, but someone suggested that if the Sun Belt were to go to a conference only schedule that you would have, everyone play everyone in the conference instead of rotating out the person in the opposite division uh, every year. And you just cycle through all those people. You play everybody and you play your rival twice, a home and home. So we could have potentially seen Southern come to uh, what is currently named Georgia state stadium. And then uh, they would have gone, turned that around and gone to Statesboro again in the same year. That could have been fun. I don't know how I'd feel about playing Southern twice in one year, depending on how, Uh, different programs are looking, but that could be a very interesting kind of unique opportunity that I think they missed. The schedule is weird because I feel like the Sunbelt and I understand why they did it this way, but I feel like you're right, Brady, the Sunbelt kind of tiptoed around just making and giving their member institutions 
the kind of free will to play with a schedule as they want. And, you know, maybe it's because they want to honor some of the out-of-conference games that they have scheduled and, you know, keep the home and homes and keep the ability to play those games. But it's as we get closer and closer to the season, as things in schools kind of have... I don't want to say flare-ups, but as positive tests have started to creep up around some programs, I think if you did keep it a little bit more regional and keep it kind of just in conference, even though there's some pretty heavy cross-state line travel, you could have had a schedule that was just the conference and still made it a good and competitive season. Yeah, I guess specifically the things that I can understand with it and wanting to leave let teams handle their schedules is like, just as talking about Georgia state's commitments, Georgia state doesn't have that many holes in their out of conference schedule for the next while. So we have ECU out of the American scheduled this year. And the next opening on our out of conference schedule is in 2025. So, you know, forgetting whether we're playing ECU as a conference opponent by then, I don't know that, you know, we want to say to ECU, sorry, we have this game scheduled and you're trying to play these games, but see you in five years. Like we can't just kick it to next year because we're full. And I think it's a good thing, especially with the schedule we've lined up. But I'm sure that there's those types of agreements where it, it isn't just Georgia State dealing with that. Everyone in the Sun Belt probably has games they'd be hard pressed to replace. And especially if there's a home and home element of it. Uh, that would be something that I get that reasoning, but I also just, you know, it is a odd year and, you know, go all the way odd and have this weird home and home with rivals. Sure. I'm, I'm all interested about that. Yeah, please. I, I obviously Georgia Southern is Georgia Southern, but if, if we're going to play wacky football this fall, I'm all about starting and ending the season playing your rival. That would be, you know, it, you mentioned Ohio State and Michigan. That is a quintessential around Thanksgiving time game. And the fact that that's happening near the World Series this year. Sure. Why not? Let's do it and make everything weird. So specifically with the other out of conference games, ECU, the American just announced that they're doing the same plan as the Sunboat is. Eight conference games up to four out of conference games. So nothing officially lined up there that, you know, this is definitely happening, but we can assume that game is happening as scheduled. And previously, the Ohio Valley of the FCS, which is where Murray State is a member of, had said that they were going on with as planned. And we had already had an indication that that game probably wasn't going to have any issues. So the only game left we don't know for sure on because they haven't announced their conference plans is charlotte of conference usa but given that all the other conferences in this tier have these type of plans i'd think they're probably likely that that stays so i'd be surprised if georgia state didn't also keep charlotte on the schedule and it didn't stay at 11 games although the mountain west is doing eight conference games and specifically only two out of conference games so if Conference USA followed their lead, then you know, maybe they dropped this game and Georgia State's at 10. But I don't know where that, when that comes down, I'm, I'm assuming pretty soon because all the conferences have kind of gotten it going. And with camp coming up, I, I'm sure teams like to know their schedule. I'm sure that's just 
by the way, can we definitely know who we're playing? And that's another thing, too. For Georgia State specifically, they haven't been impacted because, like you said, Murray State is still going to happen. But I'm sure there are tons of schools who their team was supposed to play that week zero or week one, and now that game is no longer on the schedule. And so now their next game might not be until week you know, two or three. And it's, you know, those guys are on campus and, you know, exposing themselves to whatever a lot sooner than they probably even needed to. And maybe that's helpful for preparation and conditioning. I'm not a football coach. I'm not a football player. I don't know what they're doing. You know, hopefully it is helpful to them, but that's another consideration too. If You know, there should have been a deadline for people to make these decisions. And I just hope that it doesn't run into, you know, guys being able to ramp up and actually perform this fall if you know certain games get canceled and there's extra downtime in between you know different weeks and i guess i'll go right on that point about different weeks and just kind of talk about the spacing of games because the other thing is if this is the way the sunboat is going and it seems like it's schedule as planned not moving around games makes sense given that there's out-of-conference games they still had to schedule against. Um, It wouldn't necessarily impact Georgia State specifically too badly if, you know, State as is and it played the games, or even if one of the other games got, if, like, Charlotte didn't happen because Murray State's on the 3rd of September, the Bama week is out, so the next game would be on the 19th against Louisiana, and then... If the Charlotte game got canceled, the next game would be on October 3rd against ECU. And then there's a bye and then Arkansas State on the 15th of October. I I don't think that a coach wants that much downtime between one game, let alone twice. Uh, but that's not like the worst scenario. But I'm sure that there's other awkward scenarios just based on, you know, a team has a conference game scheduled maybe the fourth week of the season and they had a buy before it or after. And then you get a case where a team is off two weeks in a row based on the scheduling stuff. That just doesn't seem ideal. So if we were doing it the way we're doing it, I'd also have considered the option of trying to move around the schedule a la something like how the big 10 revamped their schedule when they announced their change to plans. But I get leaving it as it is because you're not changing the number of games and Teams have plans and have to put together arrangements for getting to these games, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Still nothing concrete, I think, on fans as a general mandate or Sunbelt or Georgia State specific as far as the final plans for what that is, but we will certainly hear more about that as we get closer to kickoff against Murray State. Yeah, I think they're still trying to have fans and stands, which... That I mean, it's very well. They're allowed to do that if they're, you know, capable of following the guidelines. So they're still selling season tickets. Uh, I will say, though, I think I mentioned this. I don't know how many episodes ago. We've only done like once a month since COVID really started. But when my parents renewed theirs, they were told that the seats in front and behind them would not be sold. And no one else on that row. They're in one of the short rows by one of the tunnels. Uh, those seats would not be sold either. So. Should they, I mean, they, they still bought the tickets, they're all paid up and everything. Should they decide to actually attend the games, then there won't be anyone within probably five or six feet of them. So uh, they, they're doing something behind the scenes, but they, they've not really come out and said specifically, this is what we're doing. 
But uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with regard to other things like media specifically. I'm sure we can talk to them specifically about that. But I can't imagine you're going to want to have a lot of people that aren't uh, tested, vetted, like you know what their status is re-COVID-19, just walking around on the sideline taking pictures or doing sideline interviews or whatever. I think there's going to be something hopefully within the next couple of weeks about that because I know they've been very kind of restrictive on who's allowed to access the team. Yeah, and I mean, just in general, there's so much foot traffic on fields during game days. Uh, both teams have over 60 players. The home team usually has somewhere upwards of 100 players on the sideline and coaches and staff. And so I'm not sure what the guidance there is going to end up being, but like in MLB, which has far fewer personnel involved, they're not letting everyone be in the dugout at any time. And, you know, players and coaches are going out into the seats in the baseball stadiums to be distanced. And so it's not nearly as closed an environment as a baseball dugout, but I'm still curious what all that's going to entail. And it's, it's might be a little bit different and it might not be the exact, you know, everyone who get, can suit up can be on the sideline suited up. I, I don't really know how it's going to work, uh, but this season is going to be different in several ways should it go through, and that's just going to be one of them, and interested to see how that turns out. So another news for football. Fall camp started today as of recording this podcast. Uh, we talked about it in the last episode with Ben from uh, Panther Talk, uh, so we're not going to spend too much time dwelling on it, but uh, do we have any thoughts about fall camp? Hey, it's good that they're out there. I don't want to say it gives them something to do, but it's, I'm, as we've kind of discussed before, I'm excited to see them try, you know, to put a season together. I'm excited for some sort of growth and development from this defense. You know, I think that there are plenty of bright spots on the defense. Um, it's going to come down to scheme. It's going to come down to coaching. Um, you know, I don't want to sit there and say that, I'm staring at the quarterback battle, but, you know, whatever happens there happens there. But I'm definitely looking forward to figuring out if Georgia State can produce a defense that is capable of playing FBS football. Winning FCS. FBS. I was about to say that they've been playing FBS football for <laughs> a number of years at this point. No, but like to your point, and I, I think I've talked about this off air for sure. I don't remember if this has gotten to a podcast specifically in this way, phrased in this way, but... To win a Sunbelt title, you have to be really good on both sides of the ball, which seems simple enough, but very few teams do that in any conference any year. It's hard to be good on both sides of the ball. But to win the Sunbelt, every team who's done it in the past, since Georgia State's been in the conference, has been a team that's been able to do it on both sides of the ball. So the, the offense is something that we think we can continue to count on to produce new quarterback it's going to be interesting to watch that battle play out. It's uh, going to be interesting to hear who's with the ones, who's with the twos, as once we get into where they're, you know, it's been going for a little while and they're out of just helmets and pads. You know, they're, they're fully in, uh, not in just shell. Um, but I'm interested because something you've been able to say about the defense both these past two years is that there was a relative youth. And this is the first year where it really isn't that young a defense. There's a lot of upperclassmen leadership and guys who have been on 
starting and playing significant reps for the last two years. And so they had struggles, but it's guys that have had the experience now. And you just hope some of the struggles were learning experiences, but also just guys did get better. And like in the linebacking core, Zach Dixon got thrown into the fire a little bit. Ed Kearney went down last year, but he showed some flashes last year as a freshman. And so he's now going to presumably be starting in the middle of the defense as a sophomore. And I'm interested to see his growth because I think him and Trajan can really be kind of a, a duo in the middle of the field to kind of set the tone and be a part of the success. So interested to see how that plays out. It is fun to talk about football being back and helmets being on and, you know, guys lining up one-on-one. We're almost there, even in this very weird world. And so forever long this goes on, very excited to finally be able to talk about football being back. And regardless of how much of a season we do have, I do really want to see, you know, some some impact players for Georgia State on defense. And I, I, I we don't have to get too too deep into it, and I don't want to. You mentioned Ed Kearney. You mentioned Stevens McQueen. We throughout Georgia State's recent history, you know, we love to talk about the offensive players, and that's kind of football, but. It would be nice if we could continue to talk about more and more defensive players from Georgia State that continue to push the bar defensively in the same breath that we talk about the offensive players that have pushed the bar for Georgia State in their recent history. So, Regardless if they play three games, if they play uh, 11 games this year, I just want to have more of those conversations because somebody took that step forward. All right, so wrapping up, before we get into some listener questions, we do have one big, major item of business to discuss. Georgia State Stadium is going to have a new name pending Board of Regents approval, uh, Center Park Stadium. Now, I had to do some research uh, when I first heard this, when the the news broke, so to speak. Uh, I'd never heard of these people, so I did some Googling. And I found their Facebook page, which has currently 109 likes. And I said, okay, well, there's got to be something more to this. So it turns out it's actually an affiliate of the Atlanta Postal Credit Union. So I guess people who work for the post office can be, you know, like you have Navy Federal and you have Delta Community and all that. And they eventually expanded to include other things. I guess that's kind of what this is. And uh, I I guess the official name of the stadium would be Center Park Credit Union Stadium. That's park with a C. Because I guess branding is a thing. So uh, the real juicy thing, though, is the sponsorship fee is $21.5 million over 15 years. Now, for some context here, uh, someone on Panther Talk linked an article talking about when uh, Colorado State University's uh, stadium was uh, had naming rights granted to it. So the company that Georgia State is now in with regard to this Uh, naming rights deal it works out to about 1.4 million dollars a year maybe a little bit more than that uh the university of minnesota uh they are currently getting 1.4 million dollars a year from tcf bank for their stadium uh that was a 35 million dollar deal over 25 years uh houston for td ecu stadium is getting 15 million over 10 years that's about 1.5 million dollars a year And then over down in Florida, the Central Florida Knights for Spectrum Stadium getting 15 million for 15 years, so 1 million a year. North Texas over at Apogee Stadium, 
20 million for 20 years, 1 million a year. So in terms of peer institutions, what Georgia State has kind of postured themselves to want to be and where I think they're kind of at now, uh, for dollars for major naming rights on a campus asset like that seems to be pretty well where we would want to be. I don't know how much of that is, hey, let's sponsor Georgia State football stadium versus, hey, let's sponsor a stadium that hosted the Olympics and the Atlanta Braves and now hosts college football and is also on the busiest interstate in the southeastern United States. That probably had something to do with it. But uh, yeah, I did want to make a note that the amount is significant and should be a very, very, very positive thing that people should take away. I know uh, the Center Park Credit Union, as far as what I can find, there's not a whole lot of information, doesn't currently have a branch in the actual city of Atlanta from what I've seen. They might end up building one eventually, but they have a footprint down in Savannah, and they're kind of the eastern side of the perimeter. They have a couple locations there. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about this? I know we definitely could have had a much worse name. Like, what 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 is a truest? Honestly, like I <laughs> I don't I I still don't understand that one, but I think it's it's a decent name. Panthers at the park. Someone said on uh, Panther Talk. I know we uh, all have different opinions about naming things. Somebody somebody made a joke about going postal because it's a a postal credit union. I don't know that that might catch on. I might not. So, what do you guys think? I have two thoughts. First of all, one people really can't call it Turner Field because that's now two names ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like now you're just like now you're just bad, bad. Yeah. Now you're like calling like someone by their married name when it was like two marriages ago, and that's just awkward. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is, you know, this is gonna make the eighty-five sign change. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> you would think. And, you know, that's probably that, you know, to your point about what center center park gets out of it, you know, if center park stadium is on an exit sign, that probably puts their name out there in a way that they like. So that might be part of it too. And just feeling more in the footprint of a major city like Atlanta. Um, I don't mind it. I mean, corporate names are maybe a little bit less prevalent or a lot less prevalent than pro teams, but we're pretty used to them being um, like it's a part of sports companies sponsor stadiums so they can get that, you know, the value for that. And people who own stadiums want someone to buy the rights so they can get money for it. And so uh, that part of it, I, it's a fine name and you know, there's fun things you can do with it. You know, the, the post depot, like you say, <laughs> Panthers in the park. Yeah, I will. People are eternally creative, and I hope maybe it's me and on the podcast so we can get credit and also like views and stuff. Um, we'll come up with something clever with it and we'll be able to run with it. But I, I am glad that this is happening because right now it seems like a very good time to line up money <laughs> given all right. of the uncertainty right now. I think that it is a very good thing for the university that this got finalized now that it did um and look forward to it. i'm interested i've seen the logo for center park and it's just you know it's it's a bank it's, logo. A, it's a corporate it's, logo it's a credit a union logo i'm sorry um but yeah, yeah sorry credit the big deal i mean this, this, this isn't a personal finance podcast that's that's me and david on uh facebook at 3 a.m that's that's something else <laughs> but it, <laughs> It's going to be a different uh, like logo and stuff and different signage. And I don't All know. Right. It feels like it feels like a step. 
It's a big with, step. Stay with me for this absolutely galaxy brain take. Oh, I'm ready. If Come you on. Could, I'm looking at the logo, and you could like kind of see a flame. So I can totally see how they could make that into some sort of GSU flame type design. Oh, thing. don't don't tell auxiliary support services about that. That dude will hunt you down <laughs> in your sleep. <laughs> the the branding identity guide is very specific about manipulation of the flame logo. No, I digress. Uh, it. it it's cool. It's also, I didn't mention this earlier, uh, Kentucky, Froger Field, just renamed from Commonwealth Stadium or whatever theirs was, they got $22.2 million for 12 years. That's an SEC school. It's not like a necessarily marquee brand of SEC football, but that's an SEC football stadium right in the same similar neighborhood of total expenditure for naming rights, if you will. That's a big I'm deal. I'm not going to lie. The, the C at the end of Park does it, you know, like I... It's an extra extra selling point for me. Like if it's going to be called Center Park, like at least be Center Park or. Right. You know, I wish it was the the R and the E were reversed and we could do like Centre Park and just go full European with it. I mean, in general, like there's some fun stadiums in the U.S. with names, but like U.S. naming isn't nearly what it is. Like in Europe, you've got like the Stadio Olimpico, San Siro. There's in the UK, there's a stadium called Craven Cottage, and there's actually like a cottage in the corner of the stadium. And it's been around since the 1800s. Like, that's fun. You know, the US is already getting beat on stadium stuff. So let's not agonize too much about the name. As long as we don't end up in a Atlanta Braves type situation where you have SunTrust Park, like, OK, that's that's kind of a that's a name everybody knows. And then all of a sudden they get bought by somebody else and you get truest. It does say the language of the uh, it's available on the USG uh, University System website. The meeting agenda uh, is available where they have a little bit more detail about it. But it gives the company the option to rename the stadium up to twice in that window. So if they have any sort of consolidation or whatever, I mean, that I don't think that's going to happen. But it, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they tie all this, uh, this stuff in, because I think. Yeah, this will be the first time any Georgia State athletic facility has had a branded name on it, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, unless we trademarked Panthersville. No. (laughs) (laughs) That we need to get out of there ASAP. But that is uh, that's another thing. But that's also that's something like money like this can help fund if for nothing else. I mean, technically, yes, it goes to the university foundation and it's not all athletics money because it's a university asset that uses for other things, whatever. Athletics will get some of the money. Maybe that helps relocate stuff. Maybe it helps kickstart the baseball stadium, whatever that project is supposed to happen. We don't know. We won't know until it happens, unless somebody leaks something. One quick bit of news before we jump into the listener questions. Uh, Albert Wilson, former Georgia State wide receiver, has opted out of the 2020 NFL season. Just wanted to mention that because... Can have been an easy decision and hope all the best for Albert, but needed to mention semi-important NFL news of a Panther alum. All right. So moving on into questions before we get you guys out of here this week, uh, we have two questions this week. First one is from Bailey, who wants to know who should the Panthers schedule for their final non-conference game, uh, ostensibly to replace Alabama in week two. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Because people have different opinions on this. I've seen some stuff floating around, but I want to know what you guys think. Many people are saying (laughs) it's weird because I feel like we've gotten some sort of variation on this question 
throughout time, um, you know, and I guess the answer is going to be a little bit different than it normally would be because of COVID. Um, but I'm trying to like, who would be the best close opponent that you could possibly poach? Um, it's not an easy question because it has to fit in that week two slot if we're not going to shuffle anything else around. Well, there's another open date. Oh, yeah, I guess Theoretically, that's true. could be October 10. Yeah, because earlier I was thinking earlier in the offseason, I was thinking if they went all conference, you could just add Texas State since it's the only conference team that Georgia State doesn't play this year. Just add them and, you know, figure out another game and boom, you've got what's that 11 games. So that's, you know, a normal season, but I don't want to not give an answer. So I guess Texas State will be my answer because, you know, we don't play them and. You know, I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to play your entire conference and just see definitively we beat or we played everybody. So this is what happened, you know. Oh, the good old conference non-conference tactic. Right, I like right. it. OK, I, I I don't know how they'll feel. The Sunbelt Conference would feel about that. <laughs> I think they'd probably be like, that's a conference game. Please don't try and schedule them. <laughs> um, Yeah, it is a tricky question just because some conferences are exclusively out. You know, the Big Ten went to conference only. The SEC, which is why we have the opening in the first place, went to conference only. And I'm wondering who's actually scheduling games. I like FCS as far teams. as my like right. As far as my realistic prediction, I would say we probably don't fill it because teams aren't paying for, you know, buy games for a G five to come play them because their schedule either got removed of out of conference games or lessened and so they don't need to fill a schedule they need to cut it down if anything so you know the boring answer is we probably don't schedule someone and so that's part a part b let's just have a tech game now but we already have them scheduled yeah move it up have another one as what do the acc say about non-conference stuff believe they are playing on conference it is not okay um, is tech even available in week two? Let's find out. Now, now I'm really curious. So it is 10 conference games for the ACC and one out of conference game. I guess so, just strategically, the more games you can get on this side of the Jeff Collins project against Georgia Tech, the more chance of a win just because they're still kind of building up things. So for what it's worth, uh, fbschedules.com god bless the people at that website i'm sure they've had oh, man. <laughs> 800 heart attacks in the past two weeks but uh tech was originally scheduled on saturday september 12th to play gardner webb that game is canceled the same weekend georgia state was supposed to play alabama so the 12th. Hmm, yeah. I, I don't know maybe they, I, I i doubt it happens but yeah they, they, you know no one is gonna play fun just for fun sakes i mean they don't want to play georgia state anyway they don't have anything to gain by gonna, doing that so but they've already agreed but they're not going to continue to agree right um although i'm sure they'd love to have that home we've game meandered back. a little bit but i guess i don't really know who georgia state can add it would have to be a second fcs game and like just strictly speaking aside from logistics and paying out for that i don't really think there's much of a anything to gain from playing back-to-back fcs games at the start of the year other than maybe feeling good about yourself like, I don't think that that is how Coach Elliott has shown he wants to um, 
lead anyway. I don't think he needs the team to, you know, get pumped up and feel good and like potentially win two games to start the year. Um, I don't think that he's, he needs that or feels the team needs that. So if you, we can finagle something with someone local and make it work, someone like Georgia tech, um, I'd be all about it. But if it ends up staying an open date, if you just have that one open date there and the rest of the schedule stays the same, it's really not the end of the world. It's a little weird having an off day that early in the year, but yeah, just get rested for Louisiana the next week, which is going to be a big game. Yeah, unfortunately for the whole interesting question fanboys out there, that's going to have to be my answer to like you, you don't gain anything by having an FCS team come in. And if they catch you wrong, then that's another loss that you paid to have in a season that you weren't expecting to have any more problems like that. Like, no, just just don't do it. It was going to be an away game anyway. You're not losing any home revenue if if and when there's fans that come into the games this year. But uh, yeah, I think that's a. Uh, that's about as much of an answer as we can give at this point about uh, the whole I'll non-conference schedule. We've scheduling. done these questions. I don't know how many pods. This is the 50th pod, which is exciting. Um, we've done it for a few, and I don't think we've given a ton of just total, like all of us waffle on the answer. So That's there's a first rare. time for everything. Um, in fairness to us, this is like a we don't really know who. Uh, uh, we who study this stuff all the time, it, it's not really clear all the teams that are searching for teams to play it seems like everyone's kind of set if anything conferences are making their teams play less teams so right um just get through the year healthy and make sure that all the guys are as safe as they possibly can that 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 would be my choice i know that's that's a stupid non-answer but it is what it is won't so, someone think of the children no, that's illegal. This is the NCAA. Anyway, next question. Uh, Mike from Marietta is always a good friend of the show. Asks, if Georgia State were to make a beer, what should it be called? I mean, my first answer, which unless they're trying to get sued by three taverns, isn't going to be an answer, is a night on, <laughs> on, on, night on pounce. <laughs> which I, I, I thought was fun. Um, yeah, good beer, good name. Mm, can't do that. <laughs> hey, man, it's close. You could do it. As Jordan had an avenue here where there's several beer types that start with the letter P. So you go with Pants, Panther, Pilsner, or Panther, Panther Porter. Porter. That would be my choice. I know it's not a very popular thing. Everybody just makes IPAs now anyway, so who cares? But uh, and any sort of like fun branding opportunity, I think, is a nice idea. Maybe you can get like halfway crooks in. They're right across the street. That That's a no brainer tie in. I'm sure they'd love to do something like that. You could definitely get like a all blue, all in porter from like Monday night or something like that. Oh, Monday God. night makes exclusively IPAs at this point. They, they don't actually, but it, it feels like all they're making is IPAs. Yeah, I just, you know, porter is like a like a like a heavy like like I know there's like a vanilla porter. So I'd really hope they don't make a blue porter. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> no, not, not flavoring, <laughs> like coloring. Right. I do think that the, the blue does make it a little weird. You know, it makes it a little harder to make a beer because there's only a couple of things you can do. If you if you say blue, if it's not just like a branding thing, like you got like, like blueberry in there, something like blueberry. Like, oh, like you could do you could do sour. a blueberry like a Kolsch or something would be real good. Um, right. It does limit your options if you lean into the blue. Is, is this is this the beers day night podcast beer, now? Yeah, we should also, just uh, <laughs> you know, we can offer the name. Every day is Thursday. Pilsner. 
Yeah, we definitely just got that off of the inflatable pounce thing in the concourse, but go off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but in general, you know, every day is Thursday with uh, yeah. like a panther lo panther head on. You know, it. that's that's not a bad idea, honestly, because uh, I mean, that's kind of the whole MO behind Monday night's branding is they wanted to. Did that start as like a Bible study? This is not a beer podcast. I don't know. I don't know. It can be. But... All right. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. If and when we don't have college football or basketball, we're just going to talk about beer. OK, the first Georgia State related podcast to talk about beer ever. Yeah, don't don't say that too loud. Save Atlanta is going to come kill me. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my answer. No, though. Every th day those guys have fun with beer. We got to we got to get like, them on sometime. Talk about that. It isn't just a, a um, I'm not just saying that because our website is thirdaynight.com. I just want to be clear. It really isn't like a branding thing. We've kind of piggy piggybacked on a good branding thing with the Thurs thing anyway, so it's catchy. Enough people like it that I think it would probably get a decent amount of attention. But I mean, it, at this point, if it's a brewery in Atlanta and they're making something, it's going to be an IPA. Everything's an IPA. It's I. Mm. Well, you if, presumably make something if, that's if not an IPA. Making a beer, they have some say over the beer, like right. We've got an idea here and the brewer's not going to be like, if it's not an IPA, walk out. Like we're not having this conversation. Like, I don't know. Maybe that is how it goes. I know. But if anyone happens to be listening to this, that has any sort of authority, please, for the love of God, do not make it an IPA. There are too many IPAs. Drinkable beer season. I mean, IPAs are drinkable. It's just, if I wanted to have like spicy flavored soap in my mouth all the time, I'd put soap in my mouth. I'd, <laughs> it's it's like it's like it's a it's a contest now where everybody just has to cram as many hops into something as they possibly can. Like, oh, I guess we we'll technically have to flavor this. Everyone, <laughs> am I wrong though? I I mean, drink what you want to drink. I'm a lager guy myself, but not going to be IPAs. <laughs> The final gonna... final thing on this, if, if it's a Georgia State thing, presumably it's something going to be at athletic events and people are going to. So in that way, definitely shouldn't be an IPA because who is getting ready to tailgate for a whole day? And is like, you don't want to drink really heavy, full of hops, IPAs. I mean, you'd day. be like, surprised. There's definitely people that do that. Isn't Tropic? Oh, no, that's a pale ale. Just kidding. No. Yeah. A... Okay. I mean, it's it's hoppy. It's not it's, like it's, IPA's mm, worth of yeah. hops, but it's still hoppy. I mean, at any rate, if if there ever were to be a Georgia State adjacent beer or something like, all right, yeah, the, uh, no matter what it is, show support for the product and the university and everything, and eye it into something. But if you have a chance to not make it, how how many times have I said this? <laughs> Just I think please. whoever is going to the message has got the message, and they're going to say, "We hear you." We're making an IPA. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to make the title of this podcast. Please, for the love of God, stop making IPAs. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you, Mike, for one of the more spirited discussions we've had in a while. In this podcast. Oh, this doesn't even touch on the stuff we were talking about in the chat beforehand. But yeah, no, seriously, thank you for the questions. It's, it's always good to talk about fun stuff like this. And uh, if you want to have us talk about your question, just tweet it at us. We, I mean, we, we've been recording infrequently because of the whole hey, it's summer and COVID-19 is a thing, but it's football starting back up. There's fall camps happening. We already talked about we're going to have more regular podcasts coming out. So if you want us to talk about something, just hit us up. We'll talk about it. 
But uh, other than that, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on this week? I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure for these past 50 episodes. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Georgia State related beer to 50 more. (laughs) As long as it's not an IPA. See you guys. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.